Okay. Hello. Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for coming to uh, our panel, Digital and Social Marketing and Strategy, Thinking Beyond the Like. I thought we would just start by uh, kind of going down the line here and talking about how each of our panelists are working to go beyond the like, well, basically the Facebook like, if you will, which is simply just a Facebook like now. And uh, there are various ways to go beyond it, as we would say. So I'll start with uh, Lindsay Gabler here. Yes. Um, hey, everyone. Thanks so much for coming today. I'm Lindsay Gabler, and I am the Senior Marketing Manager, Social Media for the Grammy Awards. And yes, it is a year-round job. I get that question all the time. Um, so I basically manage all the day-to-day in terms of what is our voice, uh, what type of content are we pushing out. Um, I always use the analogy that I am like an air traffic controller. Um, and not only that, but then I also work on the larger strategy. So how do our partners and sponsors play into our overall social media strategy? So going right, right into answering, uh, thinking beyond the like, what does that even mean? For me, it's making sure that um, my team and everyone that I work with understands that social media is a part of an part of a overall goal and strategy. So you have to understand that it's not a separate entity. It's it's it shouldn't be an afterthought. Whatever your goals are, how is social media helping to drive your goals? How is it complementing your goals? Because for us, there's two different things. We have a live award show, just this little tiny music show once a year. How do we use social media to play into? the show itself. How do we drive tune in? How do we create engagement? How do we be a part of the conversation on the night of the show? Uh, For me, I use the example, just like you would watch a sporting event, you're watching a basketball game and there's commentators. I look at what I and my team does on the night of the show. We're adding commentary to what you're already watching using social. And hopefully with that, we're driving tune in, we're, you know, we're creating stories, we're getting people excited. Um, we're driving people, we're inspiring people to share their feelings, their thoughts, um, hopefully for the positive. And um, then the, the second thing is how do we use social media to extend our voice throughout the year? Because what we do isn't just once a year, but it's all throughout the year. So how do we then take social media and everything else we do and use that to drive to our overall goals, which is also to increase brand awareness about who we are and what we do all throughout the year? Great. That was fantastic. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> uh, hi, everyone. I'm, uh, my name is David. I'm CEO of Bandzoogle. Uh, Bandzoogle is a website platform for bands and musicians. We're, uh, we're a 10-year-old startup from Montreal, Canada. We have about 20,000 um, bands and artists that come to us to build their own dot-com with their own branding, and they have full control over their design and narrative. Uh, we also let them manage their direct-to-fan stores uh, from their website and their mailing list and email inboxes. So it's, uh, it's an easy-to-use solution. They don't need to code anything or hire anyone. It's very affordable uh, and very powerful. Uh, and uh, when, when it comes to the topic of this panel, we're, I'm, I'm obviously very biased, but I think the thinking beyond the like means that your website and your mailing list should be the hub of your online strategy. So all that you do on social media um, is extremely important, but has the goal 
of bringing traffic back to your home base where people can really you know learn about you see the content that you want them to see uh, find all the information they need uh, but also be one click away from signing up for a mailing list one click away from visiting your store or your events calendar and also it's where you own the data that's where you can analyze the traffic Um, and I think that's where people also expect to find you. That's where they, they expect to find, like, make a first impression of who you are. And, and depending if they're a fan or if they're a pro, uh, really build on that. So, um, so I guess we'll, we'll expand on that over the, over the course of the panel. But uh, that's, uh, I guess that's where we stand. Uh, my name is Chris Wiltsey. Uh, I'm the Senior Director of Business Development for Bandpage, which is a San Francisco-based uh, music technology startup. Uh, we are four years old, just turned four, um, and have uh, we advertise about a half a million bands. Uh, it's north of there. We'll come out with some new numbers probably later this year using the platform. Um, about half of those are here in uh, the U.S., and the other half are spread around the rest of the globe. Um, and you know, it's ironic, the, the topic of going beyond the like, we actually, our first product was a, was a Facebook app. Uh, we solved the problem three years ago uh, of helping bands kind of make the leap from MySpace to Facebook uh, back when all the fans had, uh, you know, clearly left that platform, but bands were sort of stuck there. And, uh, and so we spent our first two and a half years um, sort of keeping up with being a uh, highly adopted Facebook app and building out features as fast as we could to keep up with that demand. Um, what we've been focused on for the last 18 months or so is building out APIs and pipes to take that definitive artist profile, that, art, that band page, uh, and syndicating that out to other major music platforms so that artists are able to essentially market more effectively and more directly to their fans wherever they are. And so uh, in the last year or so, we've announced a bunch of great uh, platform partnerships, and that's really the work that I do. Um, today we had an exciting announcement. We just announced a partnership with RDO. Um, other platforms we pushed to uh, include Clear Channel, iHeartRadio, Xbox Music, Vivo, uh, Rhapsody, Live Nation, a bunch of others. Uh, and the way we're thinking about marketing, um, bands marketing to their fans, uh, we call it moment of intent. And so, you know, in the, in the old days, you know, when I was starting out playing in the Bay Area as a musician, Uh, we used to print up flyers, and we would hand those out. You know, you'd hand them out at school, you'd hand them out at the mall, you'd hand them out on the street, and you're trying to get people to come to your show. And it's extremely inefficient uh, and unoptimized because you have no idea who these people are or what their taste is. Uh, and so the, the conversion funnel is going to be really, really bad uh, as you pass out a thousand flyers. You know, how many of them are going to You know, A, even like the kind of music you, you like remotely versus, you know, check you out, like you, remember to go see your show. I mean, it's just the, the numbers are terrible. So um, what you can do on a platform like Facebook is incredible. You can target fans who like bands that sound remarkably like your own in the city that you're in. And, you know, you can really zero in and make it an efficient search. And that's great. Uh, you get like four times the, the result. What we're interested in is going one step beyond is on music services when a fan is searching for your band or hitting play on your band, at that moment, that moment of intent, 
when they're thinking about you, they're basically raising their hand saying, I'm into this band. I want to play their music. I want to know more about them. That's when we're working with a partner like an RDO to say, hey, this band's going to be in town in two weeks. Hey, get a VIP package. Or, hey, they've got some new offer. And so you, you can reach that fan more effectively um, and hopefully drive more sales. And the other big feature is that you can also help um, drive these fans to those bands. Um, you know, historically, you know, artists have very little ability to connect with their actual fans on these platforms. Their music's there, but the bands don't have any way to essentially connect with the fans that are listening to them through that streaming service. And so we're creating those pipes and those channels. Great. So there are a lot of different ways to, uh, to sort of frame this and think about social and digital marketing, you know, from a platform technology standpoint, uh, as Chris was mentioning, and also from sort of having the website as your home base and your hub for everything, uh, as David was talking about it, and, and also just the multi-pronged do-everything approach uh, that Lindsay's tasked with um, for the Grammys and, uh, and, and that many artists um, are thinking of. So um, just to get an idea of where you guys stand, um, maybe if we can get a show of hands of who out here is like an artist or musician. Okay. And how many of you are... In the music industry, maybe promoters, labels. Um, Okay. And then that's the rest of you maybe are in technology, startups, platforms like that. Wow, it's a pretty good balance then. There's a few people that raised their hands three times. Yeah. (laughs) All of you, though. Yeah. Yeah. And you still have time to be here today. That's amazing. Um, That's great. So... Um, so then we're talking to a little bit of everybody. Okay, so what is the new like, I guess, is what we want to sort of answer. Why is it that just a like in Facebook is not really going to be enough? Well, I think, uh, I think definitely the... Um like what's interesting is the conversion, right? I think everyone's looking to, and it depends on the artist, and it's it's even true for companies. Like we, the way as a company and as a brand, we use social media, Facebook, Twitter, etc., uh, in conjunction with our own website and mailing list is not different than what it should be for a band. And, and definitely in our case, what we're ultimately trying to drive is adoption of our tools and you know people signing up for our for our monthly plans so if i think if you're an artist you're a band or you work with artists and bands you have to ask yourself what's my ultimate conversion like do i want people to to say that they like the photo i just posted of my gig last night that's nice but i think ultimately what you want is to have more people show up to see you play or more people buying your records and ultimately getting more revenue. So I think thinking beyond the like means um, that it should be something that drives a different goal, a different type of conversion. And I think too many people are, are uh, extremely comfortable and addicted to getting that instant feedback and instant gratification on social media and don't think of how that should be translated into something that will further their career. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one thing that 
I feel like I talk about all the time is we have to understand that, it, especially in social media, there's no blueprint. And you have to understand, too, as you look up here, we're all from a completely different vertical or, or entity and that we use social media in different ways as well. So whether you're an artist or whether you're on the label side or whether you're um, you know, a, an app or a startup, exactly like David said, you need to figure out what your goal is first. As an app, are you building a brand? As an artist, are you you know, just promoting your music, which as we've seen on social media with artists, you also have to essentially build your brand and you have to understand that. So it's, it's really focusing in on the goal of what you want, of, of where you need to start going. You need to start and create a direction for yourself. You know, a lot of artists on social media should be using it to build a brand by showcasing who they are. That's when fans start getting more attracted to um, being a part of your journey, being a part of the process, wanting to get to know you. Then as you start building that foundation on social, then what do you want to do next? Are you are you trying to drive album sales? Are you driving um, uh, touring and... Mailing list sign-ups. Mailing list sign-ups, exactly. That's when all of a sudden the... There's different the the tentacles start growing and everything kind of starts pushing back exact, exactly like uh, what David was saying about understanding where the hub is and then how do all those things feed into it um, and how they all work together. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm yeah, sorry, no, no go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say there's an art to it, you know, because mm-hmm. you can't be mercenary. You, you can't be constantly selling either, um, you know. So there's a balance of just. And, and you guys do a great job of it at the Grammys, constantly putting out great content, you know, posting, you know, picking your, picking your platforms, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or, or whatever medium you, you want to probably focus on one or two or three and, and probably not eight uh, social media platforms. And then, you know, whichever one is the most organic for you as a creator or as a band or as a brand uh, and build that build that community by, you know, putting out valuable content in a in a fairly steady drumbeat, and then occasionally, you know, every so many posts, driving that traffic to your website uh, or to that place where you're converting. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you use that word, Dave, and I think that's the key word is, you know, at that point where you have your tour or your new record or whatever that thing is you want to promote to be able to then take those likes that you've been you know, amassing and funnel them over to that conversion and hopefully make that really seamless and really effective. That's, it's an art and it's, and it's a science. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because the number one thing is engagement. I don't care if you have 2 million Facebook fans. We all know that you can pay 10 bucks and get like 100,000 fans. You know, that's why I I don't ever really look at someone's Instagram or Facebook following as the end-all be-all because it doesn't necessarily mean that um, they're successful. Um, what and really and means- moreover, now you have to pay to reach those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. just to reach those fake followers, you have to pay extra. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. brilliant, and it's not always a barometer of great music, too. I mean, I, 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 I hear exactly. I hear great great bands all the time, and I'll go and check them out on on Facebook, for instance, uh-huh. and I'll expect to see I don't know what I'll expect to see two hundred thousand likes or something or two million likes, you know, because this this music's so good it must have two million likes associated, and it'll be like twenty four hundred. 
wow, oh, yeah. you know, blows my mind. And I think it's really digging in the data and the analytics. Like, yes, you can get some analytics on the back end for Facebook and a little bit here and there for Twitter, but I would rather see an artist that has a smaller following or um, an app or whatever it may be, have a smaller following, but have a super engaged fan base that's, that's talking back, that's engaged, that's a part of the journey as well. That's a part of the conversation because I think also you need to understand that each social channel has their own voice, has its own voice. And when you start thinking about it that way, then maybe not every piece of content that you put out works across every single channel. I mean, social media is also like a, a buffet. It's kind of like, eh, you don't want everything. You pick and choose what you want and then what works for you. And if, you know, Instagram is, is what you feel most comfortable controlling and then maybe you kind of give over the control for Facebook to management or, or to an intern or, you know, bring on somebody to help you do that, then, then again, then that feeds into the overall goal of what you're trying to achieve. Um, so then how much of... How much would you think of the social and digital marketing is actually listening to your audience and your fans as opposed to just talking to them and defining the voice and what kind of methods might you use, be it, you know, contests or other kinds of ways to engage your, your audience to really speak up? Um, I don't know who wants to. I think it's, um, like listening is one, I think it's engaging conversations like that, that, that like or it's inserting try and insert you as an artist or you as a brand into your fans conversation because the end goal is always to get more engagement but also to kind of trickle down what you do with your fans to to their friends and kind of engage them to like incite them to check you out maybe check out some of your music or become interested so if they see that one of their friends is having this conversation with this artist uh, there's a higher likelihood that they'll be curious to see who that is um, so I think I think yeah it depends on the artist it depends on where you're at like when when you get you know hundreds of thousands of people to follow you it's impossible to to keep having conversations with everyone. But definitely when you're starting out, I think it makes sense to try and be responsive, especially when you, when, when, you, know, when you think it's something. Like an example I like to give is uh, artists. I know that when they're on tour, they're going to be like focusing on people that are that their followers that live close to where they're playing next and say, hey, I'm like that one-on-one -on -one contact saying, hey, you should come to my show, bring your friends. Like that that works wonders because then people say, oh, the artist like wrote me or, yeah. you know, retweeted me and, and, and that makes them feel really good. And usually that's what converts into like more people coming. It should definitely be a back and forth. Yeah. Uh, we, we did a really interesting campaign with the collective management uh, out of Nashville, a uh, big country artist uh, named Sarah Evans. Uh, we developed a campaign with, with her t and her team where I'll try to I'll try to get it right. Uh, she put up a contest basically, uh, and basically asked her fans to submit a video, um, basically just putting up a link. Uh, this was a post on Facebook. Uh, she said, "You know, submit a video of yourself singing your favorite Sarah Evans song, and I'm gonna, you know, we'll we'll pick the top five, and you know, basically put it to a vote." And so, literally. Uh, several hundred submissions of fans singing songs uh, came in. The management team picked the top five. We put them into a player, 
and then Sarah pushed this out and said, okay, everybody, vote on the very best one, and that singer is going to get flown out to Nashville and sing at the Country Music Awards on stage, and we'll sing that song together. And then they got thousands and thousands of fans to watch all these fan videos and vote for their favorite ones. So they had these multiple stages of engaging fans with fresh content, giving fans a chance to engage with the artist. And then ultimately, this one young woman uh, who's an aspiring singer and songwriter of her own won the contest, and they flew her out, and she was on the Country Music Awards with her hero. Um, and you know, it was a way that they leveraged social media uh, to capture a lot of new fans. Uh, they made contact and, and you know, added them to the mailing lists you know, through their submissions um, and just built a lot of goodwill and, and, and great content. It was, I think, all around a really, really positive thing for the artist. And that, I assume a lot of those fans got their friends who might not have known oh, Sarah to insane. come and vote on those videos. That's yeah, every single one of those who was, you know, in, in each stages of the running were sharing that out, you know, to all of their circles. Exactly. Please vote for me because I want to go sing in Nashville. And then, of course, on the other end, if you're a brand new artist, you can't necessarily run a contest quite yet because you don't really have the following that's going to be like, oh, yes, I want to make a video <laughs> or, you know, want to want to be part of this contest is something that I see a lot, too. And actually, um, a good friend of mine who's an artist, he I, I was trying to uh, really encourage him to get on social media. And first I said it's 2014. Um, no, but he, the first thing he said to me was, oh, well, you know still working on my music I don't have anything yet as to the answer as to why he wasn't on social media and I was like okay well that's the problem right there is you can't be waiting for something big to happen to then showcase exactly like we were talking about you can't just be a promotional tool either hey the app's coming out tomorrow we have a new update whatever it is what is it around who you are as an artist or uh, what your service and product is that you can um, appeal to a certain demographic. And it is important to listen because of the fact that you may be missing out on a whole entire demographic you didn't even know was following you or engaging with you um, if you don't, don't take the time to listen. And also as an artist, um, you know, by listening to your fans, especially early on, you can even start developing content or contests that they might be interested in or excited about. And then you can start building that foundation with, with the fans that you do have. Very well said. So if you are a new artist, um, that does make it really difficult. Where do you begin? Uh, where do you find things to talk about um, when nobody is really out there listening, I guess? Um, and then where, uh, where are you going to go find these people? Well, the, the, the music has to be amazing. I think that's the first thing. Like, I think that, uh, I think, uh, like, Quality I, 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 I kind of understand your friend, like, saying, well, I'm working on my music. If, uh, if the music sucks, like, the, um, like no one's going to help you. Like, or you might you might become a Twitter we're personality. Assume, we're assuming everyone here has a quality product, has the yeah, best music, right. so you know or doesn't the best, apply to this room. Or the best app and startup, or um, the but but then once you're convinced you have that, like I think I think the music in itself gets valued once people can wrap it into more context or more meaning. Mm -hmm. So, like a song you might hear on the radio. Uh, you're gonna say hey, that's a great song, but once you know that this is a song made f by a band from San Francisco, a local band 
that has a certain you know history and uh and you learn more about their process and how like why like why do these guys or why does the singer sing like that and like it, like understanding who the artist is or who the artists are kind of give more value to the actual music so it becomes more of an experience to be enjoying their music and and eventually experiences is what people want to pay for definitely and i think also as an artist by nature you're storytellers right i mean you're you're writing music and you're creating music social media is storytelling it's yep. it's a marketing tool and it's storytelling so how are you then going to translate your story on social so The way you storytell in your songs is through lyrics and music, and then now thinking about um, that as a whole. What are all these different tools? How how are you going to use Instagram or Tumblr or f Facebook and Twitter to tell that story of who you are, what inspires you, why are you an artist? Taking your fans on that journey with you then has them feel like they're a part of it. Because that's ultimately, fans want to feel like they discovered you first, that they, you know, they, they love a, an, an artist or a band that no one else knows about yet. They were, you know, they were the ones that told all their friends about it. It's kind of like the Kickstarter mentality. It's like, I'm going to invest in you. I believe in you. I want to be a part of it from the beginning. Um, and kind of taking that thinking to social media um, and finding those fans, however it may be. When I was a kid playing music in the Bay Area, um, we would just, you know, bands would help other bands and so you'd you know invite these guys to come out and play at your show and they'd invite you to come out and play at their show and you can do a sort of a an online version of that where you know bands can essentially promote each other to their own you know to their respective audience um and you can you know do that very naturally uh if you dig that band and and you basically co-market to each other's fan base and, and double your your fan bases pretty quickly and and for free Uh, I think that's a way that bands can collaborate and cooperate and, and you know, go from 100 fans to 250 fans to 1,000 fans pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, what we, what we always say around Bandpage is, you know, until you're able to, you know, start filling up a room, you know, maybe not even quite this big, but, you know, once you can start filling up a room, that's when you should start worrying about monetization and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, at first, all you want to do is just, you just want to get out there. And so you just want to help spread the word. I remember I was at South by last year and there was a band that I had just heard called Foxygen. Uh, and they had this really great record and I was, was uh, fortunate to be able to see them play. And, uh, and I posted something on my Instagram. I have like no followers on Instagram. <laughs> I, I like the medium, but I am not very social on Instagram, but I, but I hashtagged Foxygen and it was so cool because Uh, two of the members of the band, because they were not very popular yet, they're still not all that popular, but they they caught that you know uh, that hashtag and they added me as a friend, and I was it, like made my whole week, you know. <laughs> and so as a band, you should be hashtagging bands that you like, you know, and be like these guys played an awesome set, you know. Hopefully we'll get to play with them one day, and they'll like you back, you know, and they'll share you and talk about you, and so you just kind of gotta. It's karma, right, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a great example of, you know, being a smaller artist. If you are playing small shows, I mean, think about doing that. Maybe you market the show and you have a hashtag for each show. So then you can go through and see what photos and videos fans were uh, posting around that show. And then you can interact with them and 
follow them, mm-hmm. make their make their life, um, you know, like their photos, reshare their photos, yeah. um, you know, and it does. It goes a long way. It makes people's day. I see it. I'm, you know, I see friends post all the time. I that made my day. They'll post a picture of a band liking their Instagram photo mm-hmm. or favoriting their tweet or whatever. Yeah, so. I, I think it speaks to um, like a bigger trend or a new paradigm where uh, like I think it used to be that like because the way the music industry was made like when peop- when bands would get discovered it would be because they went through you know the major label system and got tons of press and and everyone would kind of discover them at, at the same time so like you would become huge and, and it created this distance between artists and fans mm-hmm. where we always see artists as you know Stars, like even the the band starting out, we, we would see it someone that's up on the stage, and like I'm hoping I could one day get backstage and talk to them. Like nowadays, it's a, I think it's a new, it's it's a new economy where your fans are also your partners, and a lot of them want to be your friends, or they want to feel like you're equal, like they are uh, willing to help you. Like definitely, all the crowdfunding that's going on is yeah. is, is is showing that in action. So to to, yeah, to consider your friends as partners and enablers and even friends makes them love you more. So they, yeah, they go from liking you to loving you and telling their friends. Yeah, and I feel like I've even seen um, some acts have resurrected careers, not yeah. saying that now they're like selling out what they used to or selling the albums like they used to, but they've been able to tap directly into the fan base that's still there that was you know, not as active before, but now they're able to use social media to speak directly to them. And now they can be a smaller touring band, um, or they can, you know, create music and, and give it directly to the, to the fans. And, uh, it's been really incredible to see. And I think that nowadays, if we continue to harness that, you may not be an artist that sells out stadiums one day, but you can be an artist that has a consistent career. If you, if you maintain a relationship with your fans. Yeah, it's, it's going from quantity to quality. Like uh, for so many years, the focus was on the number of fans that would buy my album, and like everyone would buy the exact same piece of plastic at pretty much the exact same price. So the goal was to sell, you know, millions of it or hundreds of thousands. Now I think it's going towards a a, a like a new thinking where you're going to have a, a finite amount of fans. You should focus on the quality of those fans. And create, you know, as you guys are doing, like create new packages, create new products, new ways to interact with them and new ways to monetize that relationship. That's right. So, you know, you think about, you you put your finger on it. It's, you know, the music business is, is, you know, horribly guilty of treating all fans exactly the same. And, you know, for 50 years or something, sold them the same $10, $15 record and the same $10 or $20 or $30 ticket uh, with no differentiation uh, for you know, for a fan's interest or for a fan's means uh, and, and excitement to, to pay more, to get more engaged. And you can look at fan funding as a great example where, you know, it's, it's a pyramid. I, I know one of our investors, uh, Haney Nada from GGV, gave a presentation here last year, a couple shows ago, where he, he put out this chart that basically helped inform our the launch of our experiences platform. And it's the same on Kickstarter where, you know, the the tip of the pyramid, the top 5% of givers to a typical fan funding campaign, the 5% at the top will represent 50% of the, of the giving in that campaign. The bottom half 
of the people who contributed will represent 5% of the giving, right? And so as a fan, let's say I'm playing a show and there's all these people in the room here to hear the music, I can't tell who's who. I don't know who those five of you are that would love to underwrite my tour or would love to, you know what I mean? Uh, My next record, be a patron of my art, right? Um, But through our tools, through the tools of a lot of folks here today at, at Music Tech and just in the space now, if you run repeated, you know, repeated campaigns, you can begin to tease out who are those super fans uh, that love me and that also have the means to support me, you know, that, that don't just want to spend $10 on my next record. They want to spend $1,000 to have me play in their living room or whatever it is, right? Uh, and to create a sophisticated list uh, that you can use city by city and basically take your career, you know, take your, your margins and, and, and expand it out. So I guess what we're saying is, as uh, David said earlier, that yeah, to be to go beyond the like is really to fall in love with your fans and let them fall back in love with you, uh, even if that means you know obviously taking money and funding in crowdfunding fashion, and then when you turn around and become Beyonce, you could drop seventeen videos all of a sudden on one day and give your fans you know everything that they possibly want. Um, so I think we want to leave a lot of time for questions. Um, if anybody has any questions. Um. The recording. And yeah, we're recording, so just please wait to ask your question until the mic comes around. Sure. Hey, I'm Nathan from Sound Design Live. Can you talk about some methods for identifying those people that uh, might want to pay more, those $1,000 fans? So the way we're, we're approaching it is we're doing all these partnerships with the, with the major music services because they'll have, you know, they have millions and millions of fans. So this partnership with Ardio is exciting, for instance, where, you know, they know who's listening to Beyonce. They know who's listening to the Queens of the Stone Age. They know who's new to that band. They know who's religious about that band and listens to them 10 times a day. And so, you know, where we want to get uh, and we're not quite there yet, but where we plan to get, you know, over the course of the next months, uh, next year or so, is have a bunch of offers from that artist, ranging in price from very, very cheap to very, very expensive, and to leverage the data, let the platform leverage their own data, and to pick that right item, and to put it in front of that fan when they're hitting play or searching for that artist, to surface that you know, at the right time. So if it's that fanatical fan who's listening to the artist 10 times a day, that might be the one you put the $500 VIP meet and greet backstage hoo-ha in front of, you know. Or if it's someone who's just brand new, maybe it's like something much more light. Maybe it's something else, a signed lyric sheet or who knows what. Um, So, you know, that's a way to do it. I think you can leverage, again, you know, just simply using... Facebook and other social media, um, putting out regular campaigns uh, and, and you know paying close attention to what people are responding to, uh, letting people submit you know and, and basically just 
opening up that dialogue and, and rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat and you'll, you'll learn. I think doing a fan funding campaign if you've never done one is a great way to tease that out. So if you've got a record um, and you're an independent artist or you got a tour or you got a project, um, I think fan funding is a, is a brilliant way to, to tease out, you know, add some definition to the shape of, of your fan base um, for, your, for your sophisticated mailing list. Yeah, I think I think the mailing list is uh, is extremely important. The um, the act of signing up for an artist mailing list is is giving you know giving the the artist the permission to invade your inbox. Like to me, it's still the ultimate permission marketing, and and it's definitely a lot more valuable than a like or getting you know a follow uh, or a retweet or whatever, um, because. Yeah, because they're giving you permission to almost like come and knock on their door, uh, because they, yeah, they can send. And especially if they get your emails and read them, like your fans at the top of that pyramid are part of that crowd. So uh, it's not fail-proof and it's not perfect, but I think like really building, focusing on having a great mailing list, making sure you optimize how you send out regular newsletters and use uh, features like geo-targeting some announcements uh, is key. And what you have to announce, what you have to sell, uh, people that are going to buy it should be on your mailing list. And you really do want to know where they live too because yep. that will help you decide where to tour when you're just starting up. Yeah, mailing list tools by Reverse IP lets you know like who your fans are. You can tell uh, who's been op opening up your emails. You can there are even ways to to know who exactly clicked on which link. Uh, so that can be extremely valuable information. And then quickly on social media, there's definitely analytics tools you can use, um, like a Simply Measured or Sumwall, because obviously you're not going to have much to really invest in a larger analytics platform um, but being able to see who the influencers are um, you know there's even a site where you can just search people's bios so maybe search to see if you know your artist name is in their bio like because clearly that's a super super fan um, you know some other smaller tactics like that just monitoring seeing who retweets you every time you post something um, and then again starting that co conversation and one-on-one -on -one engagement with them okay um, I saw a couple other hands go up But just to add on this, like, there's more currency than just money. People are going to buy your. People might not be able to afford your, you know, your thousand dollar package, but then there's social currency. So having like the people that retweet you all the time, or extremely active, or extremely, you know, will promote you to their friends. Like that's that's one kind of super fan also that you want to make sure you you're able to identify and uh, and engage with. Mm -hmm. Uh, hi, uh, this is Krishna here. I understand we are talking about monetization a lot, how users or how the bands themselves can monetize their users, make revenues out of them. Uh, I just want to have the view on uh, ad-based monetization in mobile apps because that's a very uh, critical way of monetization. A lot of big apps like uh, King and others make a lot of money through that. And also we can also divide the users that way. That there are paying users who want to pay for your music. There are People who can't pay for your music because of affordability, so many other things, they might be willing to use ads and you can monetize them and still keep them as users. So I just would like to understand the panel's view on those things. You mean you mean musician artists like in apps when they put adding the ads, adding ads to their their websites apps. or apps or in, in, in their apps. apps? Correct. 
I, I'm personally not a fan of artists having advertising on their own presence. I think their own brand and their own content is what... Like, the, the only exception, I would say, is endorsements. Like, if you're, if you're sponsored by, by your guitar company, that's great, and you should be putting that forward. But, like, pure ad syndication where you have no control over what brands or you know, what content's going to be advertised... Right next to uh, right next to your own brand and content, I think it. I think I would avoid it just because, uh, like, if you're at a scale where it would actually make you significant money, mm. you don't need it. That's right. <laughs> and if you, you if you need the money, don't do it because it's going to cheapen your brand. <laughs> so I'm I'm like I, I haven't seen any maybe uh, tasteful models that do it well. I'd be curious to to change my mind. I'd be happy to change my mind, but. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of ads on websites or apps for musicians. We use ads to help move, you know, product for the band. So yeah. we'll work with artists who have, you know, they have some new offer for fans. It's, let's say it's a, it's a VIP package for their tour. Um, we'll work with the artist to develop a campaign uh, where the artist will promote via social media. So they're tweeting about it. They're putting up engaging Facebook posts. We'll do ad spend against those posts. Uh, we'll drive traffic to the artist's website through all of that. We'll do retargeting. Uh, so we'll add a little snippet of code uh, with the artist to their website. So this is like when you go to Amazon and you look for a pair of shoes. And then you go online later on that day. And, and that pair of shoes is sort of following you around the web. It's that same thing. But in this case, it would be the VIP package for that artist will be following that fan around once they landed on that artist's website. That's when the retargeting kicks in and the fan might have been like, oh, I really wanted to do that, but the phone rang or something happened. They were late for class. They, they didn't convert. They go back online. They go to CNN.com or wherever and there's that VIP package. They're like, oh, yeah, got to get that. And so they click through. And so we'll do campaigns that that you know touch on all those points and then you know increasingly more and more music platforms where hopefully that vip package is going to show up when you go to a lyric site and you're like i love that song and you type in the lyrics and you want to read the lyrics now that vip offer might show up you know as an ad unit next to uh that lyric site because we've done a partnership with lyric find and we'll split revenue uh, when someone converts there. And so just trying to amplify that reach. Some is through paid uh, ad spend and, and some is through just partnerships where everyone's got a revenue share and everyone's kind of on, on, aligned on that level. And we have to see that ad what, two or three times, right, before we actually act on it. Yeah. There's something like the statistic. It's highly distractible you know, situation online these days. Yeah. Good question. Um. Right over here. My name is Carl from uh, New York. People know me as DJ Carl. DJ I'm, Carl. I'm a huge fan of, of uh, Dave, and uh, I don't work for him, but uh, I, I want to you know, definitely say that your website should definitely be your hub. It's your content. My question is, is if you're a new artist um, and you like Cheerios and you eat Cheerios every morning, and for some reason... You're, as you're building your, your brand, you show in your videos your music process that you eat Cheerios in the morning. Is that something that you would say is 
cool or not cool? How much is Cheerios paying you? <laughs> well, no. You, it's just something that you do, you know, and you're not consciously, you know, you know saying I'm going to eat Cheerios in every video that I, that I produce that's going to be on YouTube of my music creation process. But you, you, you do it on a regular basis, and then before you know it, General Mills is like, wow, this person eats Cheerios every time they're making music in the studio. Maybe right. we can have a relationship. Is well, that it? so that's an endorsement. <laughs> that's like a reverse re- endorsement. <laughs> or, or slash product placement. That if, you can, if you think, yeah, if you can leverage that into you know, more visibility and extra income, I would say why not? Um, yeah. If, if you're talking about just from a pure social media perspective of if you should talk about it, if it's your thing, own it and talk about it. Then people will be consistent. I mean, has anyone seen Rihanna's Instagram? I mean, we know she doesn't hold back. I mean, she just makes it her thing. Um, So if Oreos, I mean, Oreos or Cheerios or whatever is your thing, then own it. Um, But then if you think that endorsement's going to come out of it, it probably won't. Um, Because I don't think that you can actually, you know, it's it's just like saying I'm going to make a viral video. And my video is going to have a million views. You can't really predict that exactly. So... Mm. It happens when you least expect sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't know if Pharrell actually likes Arby's, but he, <laughs> but he won't stop wearing that hat. <laughs> um, question. Another burning question coming from the middle here. Hi there. Um, I have a band in San Francisco, and we're actually building a band Zoogle page right now. Well done. Yay. Yeah, I've done you. a lot of research, too, and figured out that I should... Use your service. Anyway, a uh, question about YouTube linking, because I saw on the blog that it said try to, try to get people to visit your site, not yeah. to go outside. But then, there's, then it was just suggested to me by um, someone else who's speaking here today um, that you really want to build your subscribers on your YouTube channel, and, but yet you don't want to, you know... Um, it's, direct it's, them outward from the Banzoogle page, so it's kind of like weird. How do I do that? It's a tricky balance. I think it should. I think it should be. It could be a mix of both. Uh, you're right that a lot of action can only happen on YouTube. Um, you can't subscribe to a channel on Banzoogle. Well, I guess yeah. You can like like what I like to say is that uh, like you could you can use the opportunity to bring people to your traffic. So what you definitely should do is embed your videos or your video playlists video. on mm-hmm. your website. And then it also allows you to give it more context. Right. Uh, you can explain like where, where that video was shot, what's the story behind <laughs> it. Um, do, can people subscribe to a channel right in the video? I think so. Can they? So yeah, yeah then, to know. be honest, that's a good question. Okay. In the upper right-hand corner, but I think it's when yeah. you reach a certain amount of views, some features are enabled. Um, yeah. for, so for right on the embedded video, you can have that there so right. that people can do that automatically? Well, also, or? like when you hit a certain amount of views within the video, you can annotate it and link out. Okay. But that's only when you but reach the, a certain level. But that won't take them away from the Banzoogle page, right? That Well, I'm talking about just within the video. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, just yeah. within the YouTube video itself. But um, And YouTube's a whole other beast, um, <laughs> just in terms of like SEO. If you can't link out to, say, your website, yeah. um, you know, put the info in the bio. Make sure that all that stuff is there, your bio. Your, I mean, uh, the website, the Twitter, the Facebook, all that stuff in the 
in the I guess this uh, really goes back to the whole Facebook thing and then having to pay for, you know, connecting with fans and all that stuff now. Well, and that They're saying, okay, go through YouTube and don't worry so much about Facebook, but it's just kind of... Well, I think the opportunity is that right you're, now for us. Like, your video, if, if people view it on YouTube, they it, it's great. They're going to view your video. They might... You're going to get an extra view. You, people might like it. People might... But then, like, right next to your video is a cat video or is a video from another artist. <laughs> or, you know, so there's a good chance they're going to watch your video and then mm. skip to something else. Whereas if it's on your destination... Uh, then maybe they'll watch your next video or maybe they'll go visit your store or they're going to you know, go read your bio or check your tour dates, sign up for your mailing list. Uh, like it, 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 it makes sense to, to also make sure that like, if people go to YouTube to watch your videos, uh, you let them sign up. All your calls to action are there. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's yeah. about, like you were saying, where to invest your time. Only you know, kind of work on a couple mediums at once. And so we're Do just trying to figure out really what great. To- Do a few things yeah. really great. And yeah. then if you have the resources and the time and it makes sense to build out, then do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, d- technical question just on the website. We want to do kind of a flash header. We're coming out with a CD. No flash. No, don't you do don't, flash. No. Yeah, no. Not yet? Bad not ever. ever. Not ever. Not ever? Oh, slide, ever. slideshow header? Slideshow, yeah. yeah. Service. Do you have that? Because yes. I wasn't able to do that yes, when I was building that. it. Yeah. Yeah, we, we do. It's, it's, uh, did it yeah. just come out well, or something? Because I was trying to build it. Banzoogle Life Support right here. Yeah, it didn't, didn't <laughs> just happen. Click, just click uh, on your header image and add more images and... It'll slide it. Yeah, because yeah, it didn't work when I tried it. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> More technical help, anyone? <laughs> Hi. Uh, my name's Rudy. I'm from the blog Silence No Good. And a few questions for the panel, really. Um, so the music landscape is really changing and evolving, and so much of it is social and digital media and marketing. Our question is really, um, what do you, as people that have been in the industry for a while, um, really recommend for new emerging artists to really generate a media presence and really kind of where do you see it going in the next five to ten years? Like, where do you see the artist? Five to ten years? Well, let's say, okay, five to ten minutes, really. I mean, it's changing so fast, but, like, if you think down the line, next month, next, whatever you want to project. But the question really is, um, where do you see digital media evolving, and how do the, the artists keep their creative process you know, really at home while generating a larger traffic where you have musicians like Beyonce tweeting or you know, tweeting out their latest album really quick? How does the independent person get that? Is, is your music amazing? We can... Like I would start there. Like the, the first thing, like I, if like I think if the music's amazing and you use the right amount of tools to empower people to to share it, like that's definitely the first step. Well, let's just say the music, the the amazing yeah. music is implied. Let's get past okay. that and think yeah. more about the strategy. Yeah, <laughs> I think you want to know, like, understand your audience first, even before you have one. Just assume your or who audience. do you want your audience to be? Exactly. Who do you, you know? Want? Is and, is there a similar artist that you can compare to and see what they're doing or something like that? Right. And so be very conscious of that. And then from there, consider where does your audience hang out uh, on the Internet? Yeah. It might be Tumblr, Snapchat, um, Facebook, Reddit. YouTube, SoundCloud. 
there's I could go on, of course. So, but so uh, to kind of too. elaborate on that as well, like there's there's a mixed room of people, different generations. Those of us that have grown up in the digital age and digital media, some of the conversation we already kind of have embedded in us. So like really taking it a step further, like let's just say press and media. How do we generate? press to come to these events from your different platforms or what works for the Grammys? I think it's also not being overwhelmed by how much is out there. And I know we keep harping on this, but focusing on something small, it's just like, say you're a, a, a band out of San Francisco, you're going to start in San Francisco, right? And you're going to own it. You're going to play every show. Everyone in San Francisco is going to know who you are. You're going to get on San Francisco radio, and then you're going to grow from there. That's how you need to look at social and digital marketing. So if you're going to, I, I was love to use the example because I just saw them this morning um, is us the duo so they created again there's no blueprint they they figured out hey you know let's try this vine thing out this might be kind of cool had it had no expectation purely creative and then they built from there and then they started building out I've seen this a lot with a lot of the YouTube stars um, I'm sure a lot of you have seen like the ads they're doing now for the, the bigger channels they started on YouTube but now they have a, a huge brand that translates across all social translates you know into tons of partnerships but they started in one focused area first and so I think don't be overwhelmed by how much there is and you need to have X amount of views and you need to get in front of all these people again if you're if you're organic I mean that's the organic and authentic you know that's that's the main thing I see two trends this year I see number one is that brands are becoming content creators so you're now competing with all of them as well and so rising above that is is difficult and I think number two is that we're seeing um, smaller platforms people want to engage with a smaller community now whereas before I remember when I got on Facebook in college it was like yeah I'm gonna be friends with everyone my you know my entire class and you know try to get as many friends I mean I've way scaled back I'd rather have a smaller uh, focused group that I'm engaging with rather than so much so you have to keep that in mind too that you're, it's not going to be quality yeah it's not going to be mass and with the press too you want to start local you know and right be happy, like that. Engage the local bloggers, be friends with yep. them, and then become a darling of the local press, and mm-hmm. then it'll go from, can snowball from there. Mm-hmm. We, we maybe have time for one more question. But I think I think just to uh, w- one, I think one of the missing links, like that, should get solved in the next few years is um, is more like accepted and standard paths to monetization. Because I think the I think we are focusing on quality, and more more and more people get it. But like an analogy I like to use is that before everyone, if you use the, the food service industry, everyone was trying the next, the next big fast food chain. Now everyone understands that their goal is to become the next you know, cool neighborhood bistro, right? And where you, know, how you only have a few small tables and everyone locally knows you. Uh, but the problem with that is that we're still selling Big Macs. You know, and value meals and those tiny establishments. So I think the the product of music has to evolve mm. to have a much bigger mix of things people can yeah, that's a great point. Uh, can buy and offer and like, be part of. Because yeah. like the, what you guys did with Experience is a first step. But I I think Patreon is a uh, uh, Jack who uh, gave uh, one of the presentations this morning. I think is an extremely interesting model where people just become patrons of artists yeah. over time. And I think what's cool about that, and I think tempo is a big piece of it. You know, yeah. historically, you know, certainly, certainly when I was getting started in music, 
you thought in these sort of annual cycles, you know, like yeah. rotating the sun, you'd put out this record, you'd play some shows, <laughs> yeah. you'd put out this record, you'd play some shows. And a lot of bands are still in that mentality, but... A lot of labels are still in that mentality. Yeah. And the, a lot of the business is still there. Uh, but in reality, we live in this hyper, you know, very, very, you know, fast-paced situation where you can distribute content at will. And so, you know, I think it's much better to be constantly releasing and, you know, doing small, great projects and building buzz, you know, and, and moving, you know, and staying in contact yeah. and cultivating your fans uh, all the time. And always try to um, stay inspired by social and digital. Don't be burdened by it. As soon as you're burdened by it, you're going to burn out. <laughs> Take a deep breath. You know, and then you're going to need to go into like a, you know, social rehab, digital rehab or something. So, Great. But, well, I, but I like to tell artists that they're not, they're not in the business of selling music anymore. They're in the business of buying attention. You know what I mean? So it's, 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 it's a way of thinking where like the true scarcity is your fans' attention. So when you have it, you have to make sure that you, you, uh, you know, keep it engaged and yeah, capitalize on it. Great. Well, thanks, everybody. And if you have more questions, you can catch us after. Thanks, Brian and Shashank. Yay! Big hand for this panel. Woo!